Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. What is going on, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show, sponsored by Vivid Picks. I am your host, Josh Harris. As you're coming in, make sure to give the show a like. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. It helps us out a lot. Joining me, as always, the yin to my yang, the yang to my yin. What? I said not always. Not always, no, but usually he's on with me. Slim Cliffy, how you doing? Uh, not doing too bad, actually. Um, I like that intro music. I was just kind of bopping along to it. I really <laughs> like the new intro music that we have now. Um, no, I'm doing good. Uh, bright sunny day outside. It's like plus eight, plus nine Celsius, which is pretty good for here for this time of year. Um, got afternoon hockey going on over in Sweden. I think they they're on the ice for warmups right now. So got hockey just about all day long, I guess. So Doing pretty good. Uh, looking forward to tonight in some respects because, again, I think this is a night where there are a bunch of road teams um, that are uh, definitely in play, particularly in great matchups. Um, might make some home teams overlooked, so I, I'm looking forward to breaking that down. Yeah, it's a nice eight-gamer. Eight games, seven, eight games, beautiful size slate. Don't want to be breaking down 14 games. Don't want to be breaking down three games, eight games. I was Lots thinking – Sorry, is this the first eight-game slate we've had this year? Like, I, I know we've had, like, six-game slates, and I know there's been, you know, 9, 10, certainly a bunch of, like, 11 to 14. I don't think we've had specifically an eight-game slate so far yet. No, I don't think we have. And a little quick story about me. When I started in the restaurant business, my nickname was Ocho. Why? It was a built-in pickup line. But I really don't know why – I was called eight. When the ladies asked, they just say, hey, you want to find out? But like, I don't know. Eight game slate, ESPN eight, the Ocho, hockey. We're good to go tonight. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, media media rights for the NHL might end up on the Ocho at some point. So uh, maybe we shouldn't make fun of it too much. Yeah, it's because the first round of the playoffs ends up playing on like the golf channel because like they out, out, Yeah, outdoor life. Yeah. Oh, I uh, see. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Harrison chat giving me the uh, the face palm. What? She knows why they call me Ocho. <laughs> anyway. Wait, 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 what? No, just, it's, we're good. Oh. Before we get into the slate, if you didn't know, if you lived under a rock, uh, Watch Games, Watch Gamer TV, I think his name was, won a million dollars in the 555 Millimaker. Um, Saul Goodman, shout out, Jess Harris legend. Yeah. You got to be a legend to birth my children. No, I mean, anyway, watch Gamer TV, uh, won a million dollars in the 555 Millimaker. Because he did that, 
we decided to celebrate by making any Sims package $20 off to new customers. Deal ends on Monday. Our data package now includes access to our simulation tools with support for Showdown. Build up to 10,000 lineups on Stochastic in 60 seconds with our contest generator. Base package allows you to build up to 500 lineups and export up to 20. The max package allows you to build up to 10,000 with unlimited exports. If you are 150 maxers, I'd go with the max package, get that $20 off. Um, yeah. So let's get into this slate. It is a... <laughs> It is a doozy. Let's start with the first game. I think it's one of your favorite games on the slate based off the chitter-chatter, the pitter-patter, the chitter-chatter in the chat this morning. Arizona Coyotes with a 3.4 total heading into Columbus. The Blue Jackets have a 3.2 total. If you sort by ownership in our top stacks tool, you'll find Arizona top line at the top of the list. At 17.9% projected ownership. Now, I think this is price driven. Like it obviously is. The line is uh, 15,900 on DraftKings. They get a Columbus team that matchups aren't really concerned. Schmaltz, or excuse me, Keller has looked excellent this season. Schmaltz still needs to shoot more. Hayton's been struggling a bit, but I don't know. For 15,9, when they were in the 19,000s, earlier this year like i don't know man 15-9 in a good matchup it really depends what you want to do with the ownership on the flip side i saw some uh columbus beats speculating that the top line is going to be boone jenner patrick line and johnny gaudreau now i'm not sure if they're going to go out against arizona one i'll let cliffy answer that question but if they somehow can avoid arizona one uh they're definitely in play for me at 15-5 at 8% still negative leverage there, but there's a six and a half total and it's trending upwards. I, I like this game. I don't. <laughs> I mean, um, that's a lot well, of ownership. Ownership. You don't like the ownership. Yeah, that's a lot of ownership on Arizona, man. Like, um, you know, I've written about Arizona in my picks article. The Today's article is up on stochastic.com. Head on over to the NHL section to read it. It's free to read almost every single day. Um, it's just a lot of ownership, like 17% Arizona on an eight game slate. Like if this was a four game slate, I like, I could kind of get that. And like, yes, it is price driven. Like you, you were saying there are times they're 18, 19,000 plus, uh, just in the last couple of weeks. Um, the reason they have taken that dive down is, you know, as you mentioned, Barrett Hayton having a pretty tough start to the year. I think he's still stuck at one point. No. Sorry, he's, he's on a two-game point streak now. Two assists in two games. Look at him go. Um, the big One of the big problems that I have is just that ownership. Like, it is a lot of ownership. The other is Columbus doesn't really take a whole lot of penalties, right? They're at 2.9 times shorthanded per game. That's well below the league average. I think the league average is hovering around three and a half right now. So, you know, Columbus is one of the – two or three least penalized teams in the league so far this season. And if you look at the damage that, that Arizona has done so far this year, a lot of it has been on the power play. I'm just looking it up now. Nine out of 16 of Clayton Keller's points have come with the man advantage. Now, the other way to look at it is that 
Um, you know, Columbus doesn't have a particularly good penalty kill. They're being saved by great goaltending right now. Like Columbus has a 935 save percentage on the penalty kill, which like teams n- almost never finish over 900 by the end of the season, um, especially these days with power plays being much more uh, efficient than they were even just five, six years ago. Um, so that's my big problem here is that if Arizona only, only gets like two or three power plays, can they have a GPP winning score? At their price, they can because at 19,000, you probably need them to score three goals. At 15,900 on DraftKings, at least, you can probably get away with like two goals and then, you know, maybe Hayton has the shot bonus or, or something like that, right? Like you don't need a hat trick or something from one of the players to really get there. I'm just having a really tough time with that ownership. Like 17% feels like a lot, um, like I said, for a, a slate this size. I think I might like I might almost be more inclined to dip down to Arizona too. Now, the reason for that is like, yeah, I, I'm not super worried about matchups. Um, but that Columbus second line, Fantilli, Voronkov, Marchenko, small sample, obviously, but really, really bad defensive metrics. 72 shot attempts against per 60 minutes. That's awful. 3.6 expected goals against per 60 minutes. That's also awful. Um, that's the matchup Arizona two is probably going to see a fair bit of here tonight in Arizona two, while not great defensively, they've been a lot better than that and pretty good offensively 2.9 expected goals, 3.7 actual goals per 60 minutes, um, at five on five this year. I did write up Lawson Kraus, uh, in the picks article. Now I'll bring up top stacks again, real quick. That one is coming in a bit over owned at 4.4%. I don't think you necessarily have to three man stack them. I think, you know, a Michelli Kraus two-man, a Bukestad Kraus two-man, something like that, I think is perfectly fine. I honestly think this is just a case where I'd rather go and not spend up. And even though they are cheaper, like not spend up for Clayton Keller and, you know, Nick Schmaltz and those guys and just rather play the second line. I think they're in a much better matchup. Columbus, like Columbus's top line has not been anything to write home about defensively, but they've been light years better than the second line. Like Jenner and line A typically do have pretty, like decent, and like below average, but decent enough defensive numbers. So I think it's Arizona too. I like better on that side. On the Columbus side, like Jenner, Line A, and Godro is an interesting combination. And it's and it's it's funny to be talking about Godro. I just wrote him up a couple of days ago at a different website. And and the problem was is like like we mentioned on Tuesday's show, like he didn't doesn't really have anybody to play off of. Like it's just him passing to other people. It's not necessarily people passing to him. And when your offense gets predictable like that. It's not too hard to pick apart um, defensively and then just go on the counterattack. The difference here tonight is that Arizona is going to be missing Yusuf Valamaki. He took a shot to the face. Um, didn't mean it to sound like that. He took a, a puck to the face. After we are talking about Ocho, you know. You know yeah, shot yeah, did. Um, after, you know, with him out of the lineup, it takes their best defensive defenseman out of the lineup. Like, and I don't think it's particularly close either. And, you know, I was – Mentioning that um, in our Discord, the expected goals against goes up like 40% when he's off the ice. Like Arizona goes from pretty good defensively when he's there to well below average defensively on average when he's not there. And then depending on the line, things get even worse. So I agree with you that I think Columbus 1 is is in play here because, you know, our top stacks is still showing Chinnikov because um, we're uh, waiting for an update with Godro uh, going in. 
I imagine that their top two stack percentage is going to be somewhere as close to 10%. Like Arizona has been taking a lot more penalties of late 3.8 times shorthanded per game uh, so far this season. Um, you know, the Columbus power play has been pretty atrocious, but you'll get all three guys on the top power play unit with Arizona missing their best defensive defenseman. So I think if anything in this game, I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, it feels like something that's really going to just um, backfire almost immediately. I think I like Columbus one best in this game and then Arizona two and then Arizona one. Yeah. Yeah. Like I like this game ownership agnostic. You throw ownership. I don't like it doesn't, it's not as bad as like Nashville from last year because they're a better line than that. But like on an eight game slate, Arizona one against a team that doesn't take a ton of penalties with that line, not being super great five on five. Wow. I kind of agree that I do like Columbus one as long as it is what it is. Let's move on to the, the next one. My wife has left the chat and is now texting me to shut up. So I will zip, will zip it. Vegas with a 3.4 total heading into Montreal. The Canadians have a 2.6 total. Interestingly enough, there is positive leverage on the Vegas top line here tonight. Now, they have admittedly not been very good. I've used them a few times on the road. They haven't been great. Now, this is a Habs team that takes a ton of penalties, a Habs team that has no matchups that are concerning five-on-five, five. a Habs team starting starting Caden Primo. The Habs team, fun on offense and adventure on defense. So, like, I, I have no issues going back to Vegas one here. If you want to leave Barbashev off, um, that's fine. You want to add in, you know, a Mark Stone. You want to add in a William Carlson. If uh, Stevenson's out, I think that's fine. You want to just put Shea Theodore in there. That's fine. I, I think, you know, Vegas one with positive leverage, not super expensive at 18300 I think, you know, outside of the super expensive lines that we're going to talk about later, it's probably one of my favorite stacks of the night. You can leave Barbashev there, but uh, Vegas, this is a Vegas one game for me. On the flip side, I don't have a ton of interest in stacking the Canadians. You want to one off uh, a Cole Caulfield, I think that's fine. You want to go to the Habs third line, I think that's fine. But like, I, I just don't have a ton of interest in the Habs tonight. Yeah, I, I do like Vegas one here kind of like in a nutshell um this is where I might get into a little bit of trouble with my Montreal fandom like I'm not saying Montreal's a good defensive team what I am saying is that Caden Gooley and um Jonathan Kovacevic have been a really good defensive pair since Gooley came back from injury um talking about it on Twitter this morning their expected goals against the expected goals against with Gooley and um Kovacevic on the ice is like 1.8 per 60 minutes at five on five, which like, I don't remember a time seeing a number like that on a Montreal defensive pair. It's been, it's been like six or seven years. Um, they've been really, really good. Like 1.8. Yeah. 1.86 expected goals against per 60 minutes, 1.34 actual goals against like, They've been really, really good defensively, and they've been able to shut down a lot of good top lines that have come in uh, to Montreal of late. Um, you just 
just got to go look at Calgary the other night. Calgary got both their goals from the second line, right? Um, the game before that uh, against Vancouver. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, Vancouver uh, kind of pants them a little bit. But it was the second and third lines that did the damage, right? Um, Elias Pedersen was held off the scoreboard. Um, Andre Kuzmenko had one assist with one shot or something like that. Like they've been doing pretty well at shutting down top lines. It's the second and third lines that have been doing the damage against Montreal. And I think for that reason, I, I kind of like Vegas too here today. Um, you know, you're mentioning the top stacks. Vegas is top line perfectly fine, 8.6%, 11.7% top two percentage so there's positive leverage there probably will not be a lot of ownership on that Vegas line as a trio um but Mark Stone's like you and I talked a lot about how the Stone Stevenson line for Vegas was looking pretty bad this year and it's been I think three maybe four games without Stevenson now and Stone and Will Carrier have been really really good uh they're at about 52 minutes together, 88 shot attempts for 59 against per 60 minutes of five on five. Like they, that is more like a Mark Stone line that we would anticipate and not whatever him and Stevenson did through the first four weeks of the season. Um, 5.1 expected goals. Like those are really absurd numbers. And we don't know exactly what Montreal's lineup is going to look like because they didn't, I didn't see lines for morning skate. I've been searching Twitter. I haven't been able to find anything. Um, you know, if Josh Anderson's still on the top line, that's not going to be a great defensive line, but like Christian Dvorak and, and Uri Slavkovsky, if that ends up being the second line, like I'd like the way they've been playing offensively. They've been, it's been, you know, a tire fire defensively to be kind about it. Right. Um, they're not going to get the great defensive pair of Gouli and Kovacevic behind them. Uh, Slavkovsky's still not a good two-way winger. Cole Caulfield, he can turn pucks over, but he's not he's good in his own zone, but he's not great. Like it's not a great second line. So I think Vegas' second line is kind of what I like best here. Um, I don't know if you have to necessarily full stack them, but certainly like a Stone Carrier, Stone Amadio, something like that. Just I would make sure to get Mark Stone in there. He's one of my favorite plays on the slate. But I think it's Vegas too, I'd like best uh, on the Vegas side. On the Montreal side, I think I agree with you. Like, there's no full line stack that I'm really targeting here, especially where we don't really know what the lines are going to look like. Um, I do like Caulfield in a nutshell. I just think 7,300 is a lot to pay. Um, you're really you're really banking on him getting to the five shot bonus at that point. Can it happen against Vegas? Sure. I think it's a little tough. I think it's one off for Montreal or nothing for me, and I like Vegas too on the Vegas side. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I I just happen to like Vegas 1 because, you know, the amount of penalties that Montreal takes. And if you're going to give Vegas a bunch of chances on the power play, I want Eichel on the power play. So, but yeah. New Jersey Devils with a 3.2 total heading into Pittsburgh. The Penguins have a 3.5 total. <sighs> These Devils, man. Timo Meyer is a game time decision tonight. Uh, I forget who skated in this place this morning. I'm kind of expecting him, but we'll have to wait and see in warmups. There is not a lot of ownership on Pittsburgh here tonight, and maybe that comes up. Maybe you know the model is used to Hughes and Heischer and whatever being in. Even if it like gets close to 10% on that top line, I still think that's fine. They actually had Sidney Crosby had a hat trick the other night. He finally. 
Cliffy said that he hasn't had he had a lot of good performances, not a great performances. Then he, you know, went out and scored a hat trick. Maybe Sidney Crosby, a avid stochastic NHL show strategy show listener. But yeah, this is a good spot there. They are twenty two thousand four hundred. The one thing that is a tad concerning uh, on pit one, uh, Cliffy put it into our premium Discord uh, this morning. The defensive numbers for McLeod and Barat together have been actually really good. Um, and, you know, they'll probably get the Devils' top pair as well. So for that reason, I think I really like Pittsburgh too here. And they're going to go up against Mercer, Holtz, and Toffoli, which, you know, it's the Canadiens' problem. Very fun offensive, probably not very good defensively. So I don't know, man. I like Pittsburgh too here. On the Devils' side, we'll have to wait and see the lineup. But if Timo is in, I don't mind taking a stab on that top line. We'll just have to wait and see until warm-ups. Yeah. Um, what I was mentioning about Brat and McLeod, it's not even just off defensively. It's offensively too, right? Um, they're up to 82 minutes together. Uh, 3.9 expected goals, 4 per 60, 1.6 against, 1.6. That's like um, a third lower than the league average, if not more. Like that's really, really good defensive numbers. They haven't been on the ice. For a goal against a five-on-five yet, and when you consider that they lost Jack Hughes and Nico Hishier, the fact that the top line is not allowed a goal against yet a five-on-five is pretty remarkable. Um, it's only been, I think, four, four, maybe five games without both of them, but still, like that's that's pretty good defensive um, metrics. Like Pittsburgh's top line, like they're, you know, I wrote them up in the picks article today for a reason. Uh, they've been. Uh, Probably the best five offensive line of five on five in the league. Um, 39 lines in the NHL with at least 80 minutes together. Um, they're first by expected goals and second by actual goals per 60 minutes. Like they're just beating the piss out of everybody. Um, you're right. That matchup is a little, little bit of a concern for me, especially where priced where they are, right? Like it's, this is an Arizona one priced under 16 K. Uh, this is Pittsburgh one over 22,000. Uh, on DraftKings, that's keeping their ownership low. And that's one of the reasons why I do like Pittsburgh. Also, like, there are a lot of filler lines on this slate, right? Like, you have Calgary, you have Seattle, you have Montreal, you have Columbus, you have Arizona, you have Chicago. Like, there are a plethora of filler lines you can use. So I'm not that worried about about using a $22,000 line. Uh, the worry is the matchup against Michael McLeod because – it's not just his numbers in that sample. His defensive numbers on the whole this year have been phenomenal. Um, I was just looking at uh, the defensive metrics over on um, Evolving Hockey. Like, by far, the best regular defensive forward they've had so far this year. So, I don't want to overstate his impact in just one game and Pittsburgh's top line has been able to tear apart just about anybody that they played. Like you don't get to be arguably the best top line in offensively in the league this year without being able to tear apart other top lines, regardless of how good they are defensively. It's just, do I want to spend 22,400 and find that out? Uh, they're still in consideration for me. I do like pit one a lot because of the ownership, especially and, Otherwise, it is a good matchup. Like, New Jersey's penalty kill is nothing to worry about, especially with his year out. They, their numbers have not been that great, really. Pittsburgh's not drawing a lot of power plays, which is a bit of a concern. 
Um, but I think I, I'm with you. I do like Pitt too here. Um, the Pittsburgh, the New Jersey second line, Mercer and Holtz. Like I like, I don't like Mercer that much. I do like Holtz as a player or as a prospect anyway. Um, not very good defensively. 79 shot attempts against per 60 minutes in their time together uh, since the injuries happened. They've been not good defensively at all. So I'm with you. Malkin, Smith, Raquel, uh, Pitt too. I think that's my favorite line. But like, that's also more of a pricing thing. They're $5,200 cheaper. Like that's a lot. That that gets you from uh, a literally a min price defenseman to the most expensive defenseman on the slate. Like it's not a small, it's not a small difference. So I think price inclusive, I do like Pitt too here. But both Pittsburgh tops, the both Pittsburgh top lines, uh, very much in play. Pittsburgh three also kind of in play. Honestly, I don't think you necessarily need it on this slate. Like there's no McDavid in Edmonton. There's no uh, Toronto. Like maybe you need it for a Florida stack or a Tampa Bay stack. But you know Pittsburgh three has been a really really good third line. Don't mind like a Lars Eller, Drew O'Connor two man or, or or something like that. But uh, Pitt two and Pitt one for me on the New Jersey side. I think it's just a pass. Um, they're all coming in fairly over owned per the top stacks tool. Uh, top line has been pretty good. Not great. Pittsburgh doesn't take a ton of penalties either. Um, the Pittsburgh penalty kill has been really, really good too. So, um, even if Myers on the top line, it doesn't change a whole lot for me. I think if, if I'm stacking out of anything out of this game, it's pit one or pit two, maybe pit three, uh, or also moving along. Yeah. I don't like to give Crosby a bunch of praise. Um, but did you see that tip? goal he had for the hat trick that was disgusting best player of his generation for a reason bud still a big whiner (laughs) we mentioned the uh premium discord a little bit earlier but if you sign up using the link in the description box below you get access to the best nhl data and tools in the industry you get player and ownership projections the top stacks tools the lines combinations and that discord uh whole bunch of sharp minds in there will help you out if you need it I uh, got strategy questions. You got lineup questions. Just ask away. Uh, Cliffy's article, always free to read on stochastic.com. Our show, always free to view on YouTube. But if you want to take your game to the next level, get in that link in the description below. You can sign up for weekly or monthly. You can add on uh, Fantasy Cruncher if you want and get in that Discord and uh, level up. Thanks, Fantasy Cruncher. Let's move on to the next one. Oh, man steroids baby tampa bay lightning with a 3.7 total heading into chicago the bedards have a 2.9 total hey here we go again like i have interest in bedard here it's just like why are we playing with nick felino and philip kershev and why aren't we playing with like lucas reichel and ryan donato or whoever whomever taylor hall if he's in whatever I think Bedard one off is fine. It's a good spot. Bedard's ridiculous. But my interest in this game is mostly on the Tampa side here. Uh, Tampa one, pretty expensive. They're a little bit cheaper than uh, Pitt one here. And they're getting more ownership. They're $800 cheaper to fit. Is it a better matchup? Probably. Um, That being said, we were talking about this line specifically a little bit before the show. I think if you're going to play them, you full stack them because you were mentioning that Hegel was half the ownership of Kucherov on the last few slates. So I don't know why you would leave Hegel off. I get it because he's not on the top power play unit or whatever. 
But this, like, it's a it's an okay power play spot. It's not as good as a spot as you think it is. It's not like going into Montreal or going into Anaheim or going into, I don't know. It's just not the best power play spot. Will they get power play? Sure. Can they score? Absolutely. But I think you need to, if you're worried about the ownership, I think what you do is just full stack with Hagel. Or if you want a power play stack, you leave Hagel off. You put on Paul, you put on Stamkos. You can get different. So Tampa one for me in this game. Yeah. Um, obviously I do like Tampa one as well. It's that ownership is pretty crazy, right? Like 17.6% on the top line. Uh, like I'm going to, compare them with Pittsburgh here 17.6 percent on the top line six percent on Pittsburgh one now obviously they have a higher top two stack percentage but it's nowhere near uh triple the top two stack percentage so it's one of those things where everything lines up for a pretty good matchup for Tampa Bay here obviously like like Chicago is just a bad five on five team and it doesn't really matter the matchup that they use um they have been using um, they had been using the Jason Dickinson line in a shutdown matchup. They weren't very good defensively. Jason Dickinson's now down on the third line. So I imagine the third line is going to be used as a shutdown line. So it'll be interesting to see how Jason Dickinson and Corey Perry do against Tampa one here tonight. Um, I think Perry's on the third line now. I'm going to be honest. I don't memorize the Chicago bottom six long combinations. Um but it's it's a pretty good matchup for Tampa. You and I bring up often how it, the Chicago penalty kill has been pretty good basically since the All-Star game last year. Now, that's been the case again this year where it's been pretty good. Has fallen off a little bit of late. Um, they have been allowing a, a few goals uh, on the penalty kill so far in November. But overall, on the whole, they're still top 10 for fewest shot attempts allowed while on the PK. They're basically in the middle of the league for goals against. Um, Chicago doesn't take a ton of penalties. Like, they're right around the league average. Uh, Tampa Bay doesn't draw a lot of power plays either. They're below league average in that regard. They're just really efficient in the ones they do get. They're kind of like Dallas in that sense. So, like, I'm not going to say don't play Tampa 1 because, like, with Hagel there, their numbers are, you know, last year they were great. This year they're great again. 3.1 expected goals for, 4.6 actual goals for. They're only shooting 11% as a line, which is pretty normal, like perfectly normal for a top line over a full season, for a great top line over a full season. And they're scoring 4.6 goals, which is absolutely absurd. And, you know, Nikita Kucherov, I think he's, I wrote about him in the, in the picks article today. He's reached a DK shot bonus in eight games already so far this year. They've only played, he's only played 15. Like, He's getting the shot bonus in half his game. So I think there's definitely some merit to maybe one-offing some guys. It's just if I only have to pay an extra $800 to get a perfectly correlated Pittsburgh top line at a third of the ownership, like at home on top of that, I think that's a pretty easy trade-off for me. Now it's not to say I don't like Tampa one or it's a bad spot or they're going to be shut down by a great shutdown. Like none of those things are true. It's basically just that for, you know, $800 more, I can get a third of the ownership of the Pittsburgh one. Like that's just kind of the, what I'm, I'm running up against. So Tampa one, certainly in play Tampa two, like I think they're fine, but I don't know why they keep going back to Sorelli and Stamkos. Like those guys have just not played well together for a few years now. Like this is it's not just some small sample thing. They've been bad this year together. They were bad last year together. They're they just trying to keep, you know, ramming a, a square peg into a round hole. And it's just not working. So 
Like Tampa two is fine. I think Tampa three actually would be a little bit more interesting as Simone Janot, like a two man, if you need something super cheap, but it's Tampa one or bust for me on their side. Chicago, I agree with you. Like one offing Bedard is something I wrote about him today in the picks article. It's something that I'll, I'm interested in. Um, just basically anytime he's on the slate, but Jonas Johansson looks like he's going to be in net for Tampa again. Six straight games for Jonas Johansson giving up at least four goals. Like, I'm really surprised they're not going to Tompkins here tonight. Um... For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so... You're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 861 save percentage in those six games. His He's just really falling apart. So I, I do like Bedard quite a bit here tonight as a one-off. I just don't think I'm going to full out stack his line. So Bedard one-off. Certainly Tampa won. I just think Tampa's coming a little bit over on. Yeah, I agree there. Um, Vancouver Canucks with a 3.1 total heading into Calgary. The Flames have a 3.5 total. Oh, boy. Here we go with the Vancouver Canucks because, man, are they power play dependent. And, man, are they not getting a lot of ownership. And, man, is the Calgary goaltending bad. I guess like an MME, you can make like a Vancouver power play stack. I think yeah, they have a 3.1 total. It's nothing to sneeze at, you know what I mean? And they're getting no ownership at all. I think, you know, even in 20 max, you have like one of 20 Vancouver two, one of 20 Vancouver one, you go on your way. In one to three, it's a bit of a dilemma because, well, not really, because like the Flames are a pretty good team five on five. It's just the goaltending that lets them down, and you don't really stack the Canucks for five-on-five five anyway. So if anything on the Canucks side, it's a power play stack. The flame side is what's more interesting to me. I used Kadri Zari uh, Pospisil the other night. They got there. They're still only 12500 and they're coming in a little bit lower owned than the backland Huberto coleman line. I don't mind going back to the Kadri line. Uh, you want to go to that top line? Linholm, Manji, like I think all three lines are in play for Calgary. What do you think? So uh, I'll get to Calgary in a second, but just so we're all clear here, Brock Besser is tied for the league lead in goals. JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, and Quinn Hughes are all tied for the league lead in points, if I'm not mistaken, or at least Miller and Pettersson are. And Hughes with 26. And none of the lines are projected for 1% here tonight? Against, I don't know, man. Against Jacob Markstrom, who has had some good games recently, but is still sitting with a 905 save percentage on the season. No one's playing Vancouver. In it, it really. They're back to back on the road, but it doesn't matter. I get it, but like it doesn't matter. If I can get the guys that are leading the league in scoring at under one percent, like 
I'm start. I'm having a tough time not playing Vancouver, and they were not on my radar at all when I was researching the slate this morning. Like you know, I go game by game and and see you know what some of the trends are in matchups and and line combinations and all that. See who's been shooting and who's not shooting, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I went through my normal routine researching that game, and then I go and look at top stacks, and not a single one of their lines are projected at one percent ownership. I, like it, it, t- the top stacks tool changed how I'm looking at this slate entirely. Just that, you know, just Vancouver. Like, I get not wanting to, I think the line I would stay away from is Pedersen, Kuzmenko, and Mikheyev. Kuzmenko left the game last night. He got hit with a pop. Now, it looks like he should be in tonight. They said he's fine. But I don't know if he's going to play for sure. And that might not be something we'll find out until warm-ups. Like, I'm assuming he's in. I'm building as if Kuzmenko is playing tonight. I just, it doesn't seem like it's 100% guarantee. Now, they're going to be getting that Backlund-Coleman line. And I want to avoid that shutdown line, like, at all costs. Like, it's just a brutal shutdown matchup. Um, but Miller, Besser, D Giuseppe, they're going to be going up against you know, that Kadri Zeri Pospisil line, which, you know, has looked pretty good offensively, but we still don't know what they are defensively. Um, that Vancouver second line, like, as we always talk about, they're the ones that usually get Quinn Hughes behind them on the blue line when they're on the road. And that's probably going to be the case here again tonight. So you'll get JT Miller on the ice with Quinn Hughes, which is exactly where you want JT Miller and Brock Besser to be, if, if we're going to be honest. So I have interest in that Miller, Besser, Di Giuseppe line. Like, don't get me wrong. I understand all the percentages. I know that they're all going to regress at some point. But even if they regress, if they're still well above average offensively, which I think they will be, at under 1% ownership on an eight-game slate, it's hard to ignore. So I like Vancouver, too, here. Miller, Besser, Di Giuseppe, they're going to avoid that Coleman shutdown line. Um, 3.4 goals. Uh, per 60 minutes so far this season, JT Miller has 25 shot attempts in his last five games, so he's still staying involved shooting. Um, I do like Vancouver too here in this matchup. On the Calgary side, like they're basically all the same line to me at this point. Uh, like uh, honestly, um, I think if anything, I would probably stack the Backlund Hubert Coleman line. Like I said, I think Huberto in the long term will be pretty good for Coleman and Backlund's goal scoring. They're going up against that Vancouver top line, which has not been that great defensively. They've been fine, not great. Um, They won't have Quinn Hughes on the blue line behind them for a lot of the game. Uh, So I do like Backlund, Huberto, Coleman. They do have three playable lines here tonight against Vancouver. Like Vancouver is on that road back-to-back, so with the Smith and Nett. So, yeah, there are three playable lines here from from Calgary, I do like the backland line the best. I think it's Vancouver too. I like best in this entire game, though. Yeah, and just to you know, Calgary is a pretty good five on five team, but their penalty kill really hasn't been great either. And Vancouver's power play has been very good. So, well, I think maybe we just talked ourselves into some Vancouver. Not again. What I'm not, what I'm not going to do is talk myself into this game. The New York Islanders with a three total heading into Seattle. The Kraken also have a three total. This is a a game, I guess. Somebody's going to get two points here. That's for sure. 
I, yeah, I mean, if anything from this game, I'm going to go back to the McCann Veneers Everett line and call it a day. Like, you want to one off Eli Tolvanen or Bjorkstrand, that's fine as well. On the Islander side, like, I guess Islander second line is fine. Like, they had a pretty good game last night. Brock Nelson scored, Pierre Angwell scored, but I don't know. I'm not going to make my living in single entry attacking this game where both teams are on a back to back with three totals. I think, if anything, like, I like. Uh, Semyon Verlamov the most in this game. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Um, <laughs> I saw Twitter today talking about kind of how the Islanders are running their offense, and this is on this is the honest to God's truth. When Adam Pellick, Adam Pellick, the defenseman, and Matt Barzal are on the ice, Adam Pellick is taking twenty two percent of the shots. When Bo Horvat is on the ice with Matt Barzal. Bo Horvat is taking 19% of the shots. Bo Horvat is shooting less than Adam Pellick when they're on the ice, when they're all on the ice together. That is how the Islanders are choosing to run their offense. Like this isn't some mistake. This is what they did last year and the year before was they ran their offense through their defense. Now it can work. Look at Colorado, right? Colorado does it to great success. Carolina, Carolina does it to great success. Those two teams aren't doing it with Adam Pellick and Scott Mayfield. You know what I mean? And Alex Alex Romanoff is at like 24%. He's taking 24% of the shots when he's on the ice with the top line. Almost a quarter of the shots the Islanders are taking with the top line on the ice when with Romanoff on the blue line are coming from Alex Romanoff. Like, that is no way to run this offense. I, I don't watch the Islanders enough to have concrete opinion of them i've maybe watched like two of their games so far this year there's only so much time to go around each night with so many games too many how in the world does lane lambert still have a job Uh, like honestly and i know a lot of fans have been calling for him to get fired how do you run that how do you have matt barzal and bo horvat deferring to defensemen like adam pelican and and alex romanoff for shots like how does that happen i don't know how you expect to succeed offensively like that Anyways, rant over. Um, if you're wondering why the top line can't score any better than most third lines so far this year, that's why. And it's basically like, yeah, like they're coming in one to two percent owned here tonight. Seattle's goaltending's not always been great. The matchup's not really terrible. Um, you know, Seattle did get back uh, Jordan Everly last night. He's going to be on the top line going up against that um, Islanders top line. I'd rather play the Seattle top line. Like, I'm going to be honest. I'm with you on Islanders too. Nelson Palmieri and Angball, they're coming in with almost no ownership. Um, They've still been really, really good this year. Um, Creating 4.1 expected goals, 2.9 actual goals per 60 minutes. Um, Nelson's dipped a little bit below three shots per game. That's a little worrisome. I'm worried that they're deferring to defensemen too. So please stop doing that. But it is Islanders. It's Islanders two or nothing for me on that side. Like I, I go through all this diatribe, and you know exactly what's happening tonight. Is is Barzal and Horvath gonna have dueling hat tricks? It's gonna be like a thirteen-one game for the Islanders. Like they'll, 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 they'll at least be like one point two percent, and it'd be mostly an MME in the single entries. There might be like three people doing it. So yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I don't mind uh, that Bjorkstrand, Torvin, Tolvin, and Gord line. They're, like it looks like they're trying to leave Gord on the power play, uh, which is you know it's something. Um, him and Bjorkstrand are on the same power play unit, so I don't mind that. But it is McCann, Beniers, Everly that I like the best in this game overall. Um, you know, McCann and Everly both play uh, on the same power play unit. 
ownership on DraftKings coming in under 6%. A little over-owned, but I think that's just fine uh, for an eight-game slate when they're at home. Uh, like, I think Varlamov would be the biggest concern here. It's like, he's been better than Sorokin so far this year. So, you know, maybe he can just shut down Seattle. But I do like Seattle 1 here. Um, in order, it'd be Seattle 1, Islanders 2, Seattle 3. Yeah, tough scene for Sorokin last night, giving up a nat hat to Evander Kane in like three minutes. That was just miserable for DFS because no one ever plays Kane anymore, except for the people who did, and they all passed me. Anyway, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we are sponsored by VividPix. You can get a $300 deposit match on your first deposit. The standard deposit match is $100, so you won't get this offer anywhere else by clicking the link in the description below. Your first entry on VivPix comes with a $25 secure play. So if your first entry loses, you get it refunded up to $25 in Vivid site credit. Predict whether players are have more or less than their projected stats across multiple sports and combine your selections for bigger payouts. Click the link in the description below. Let's do it. Do it. Cardi and Cola, do it, do it. Florida Panthers with a 3.2 total heading into Los Angeles. Our Kings, 3.4 total. This is a front end of a back-to-back for the Flyers, so I don't know who's going to be in that tonight for them. Um, Panthers. What did I say? Flyers. I always do that. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. It's a weird mix-up to make. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Kings in practice yesterday kind of flip-flopped their power play units a little bit. They moved Byfield up to the top unit and moved uh, Pierre Locke Dubois to the second unit. So there's more correlation for LA1 and LA3. I had line matching questions that we kind of got answered by Cliffy in DMs. Uh, we agree- he thinks the Kopitar line is going to go out against the Barkov line. Um that would leave probably the Trevor Moore to no line to go out against Florida two. So it's probably gonna be one, one, two, two, three, three. That kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop. I don't know what to make of this game really, because it's a six and a half total going towards seven. I like this game. I just don't know where to go in this game. Yeah, there is it's yeah, it is one of those like I like all the players that are in this game. I just don't know exactly uh, where we're going to be going here. Um, yeah, uh, Philly was just in Los Angeles uh, over the weekend. And uh, Anze Kopitar spent 54% of his five-on-five time uh, against the top line. So I assume it's going to be Kopitar as a shutdown matchup going up against Barkov. Uh, the problem with that is both top lines are pretty good defensively. Um, I would probably give the edge to the Florida side. Um, defensively anyway um, might actually give the edge to the Los Angeles side offensively that's a different discussion for uh, a different day I'm not going to argue those two points right now but the Kings top line has been pretty good so far this year 3.4 expected goals 4.1 actual goals um, Byfield had 27 shot attempts over a five-game stretch before getting blanked against against the Kings or against I did it against the Flyers on Saturday. Um, So he had been getting uh, more involved offensively and not just playmaking. I, in a nutshell, I do like Los Angeles one here. Um, I'll bring up the top stacks tool 
Uh, as you mentioned, Los Angeles not coming with much ownership, 3.5%, 17,100 on DraftKings here tonight. In a nutshell, I do like them. I think the issue that I'm running up against is that it's a pretty bad matchup against Barkov. And the Florida second line has not been great yet. They've been pretty good. Uh, just a small sample since since Sam Bennett returned. Uh, Fiala, Moore, and Deneau have struggled a little bit over the last couple of years. But they've been dom- like pretty dominant possession-wise. And I think they're going to see some time against the Florida third line as well. Like Los Angeles will be sending out their middle six against the opposing middle six and not be super concerned about which line is which. Um, so I do like Los Angeles too here. Fiala, Moore, and Deneau, like they're coming in with positive leverage under 5% ownership per top stacks, over 5% expected top two stack percentage. Um, they're reasonably priced. Like they're in that, they're 15,400. So they're one of those pivots that I like away from a super chalky Arizona stack that we talked about at the top of the show. So I do like Kings two here the best. I do think Kings one is certainly in play now that Byfield is on the top power play unit. They're perfectly correlated. Problem is, like Florida's penalty kill has actually been pretty good this year. It's just the goaltending that's kind of let them down. It's basically the reverse of the Columbus situation that we talked about earlier, where Columbus's penalty kill has not been very good, but if the goaltending has saved them. Um, but I do like... Uh... For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Los Angeles too. The issue is, is I think I like Florida's top line the best in this game. Um, Florida won three expected goals per 60 minutes of five on five. You get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit. I think at this point you can probably leave Rodriguez off. Um, he's just not been shooting a lot lately. 15 shots in his last 10 games. That's really like 10 game sample now. That's really not a lot for him. Um, but the other two guys have still been generating quite a bit of offense. The Kings goaltending, like Talbot's been good, pretty good. Um, hasn't been elite all year. I Like I'm worried Talbot's just kind of ran hot for like three weeks. So I think I like Florida won the best here. Like I said, the Kings top line, 2.6 spectacles against per 60 minutes. That's about league average. Like that's not an elite defensive line. That's not like a Jordan Stahl in Carolina or Joel Erickson in Minnesota or, or Michael Backlund in Calgary like we just talked about. It's not that. Um, 2.6 spectacles against is something that Florida one can overcome. So I do like Florida one, I think the best in this game. So for me, it'd be Florida one, Los Angeles two, and then Los Angeles one, and then Florida two, mainly because I, they're having Florida second lines, having trouble generating quality with Bennett there this year. That wasn't the case last year in a much bigger sample. So maybe it's just a wonky small sample, but, um, before I see it, be, or before I you know put money on it and put them in a lineup, I kind of want to see it happen. I like I don't want to be, you know, I'm, it's not one of the spots I'm wanting to get in on the ground floor. It's one of the spots that I'm willing to adjust to once they break out. So um, no Florida two for, for me here tonight. Yeah, this game is tricky, but that was a good breakdown there. Let's move on to the the Sharks. Why do we got to talk about the Sharks? 
St. Louis, this is the worst Sharks game ever this season so far. The St. Louis Blues with a 3.5 total heading into San Jose. The Sharks have a 2.6 total. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to play the Blues here. Blues suck. The Sharks suck. Even worse. I'm looking at the ownership here, and, like, ownership agnostic. I wanted to play Shen, Kairou, Saad. Like, I think they're the best offensive line the Blues have. But, like, they're coming in with more than double the ownership of Thomas and Buchnevich, who are both on the top power play unit. I think you could just power play stack the Blues here. It's like, it just feels bad because the Blues power play is atrocious. But the Sharks are the worst team in the history of life. So, like, I just don't like I am conflicted on this game too. And then on the the flip side, like negative leverage San Jose one, like I've done it before and it just it just <laughs> it's like I'm not doing, I'm not gonna make a living playing Hurdle and Eklund with like 1.7 expected goals per 60. I don't care if it's Bennington and net, I don't care if it's an empty net, like 1.7 goals for for a top line that's getting seven percent and negative leverage, like I'd rather just go to sleep and hope that this game doesn't burn me. 94 shot attempts against per 60 minutes with Hurdle and Eklund on the ice. Like that's, I think that's like, that would be like a low high end penalty kill. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, awful. They're getting, they're getting ran over. Um, there's no matchup concerns on San Jose's side at all. You're talking about ownership for St. Louis. The reason why the Cairo line's, looking like it's going to be much higher owns because Jordan Cairo individually is probably going to be the highest owned St. Louis blue skater here tonight. Um, Cause he's the guy that shoots. Right. And uh, at least on DraftKings, the guy who, you know, he is the one who knocks. Um, he is the one who shoots um, and the guys who shoot typically draw um, all the ownership. So, you know, just for that reason alone, Thomas Buchnevich captain is, is where I want to go. Um, they haven't been, they haven't been great offensively by expected goals, two expected goals per 60 minutes, but it's 4.6 actual goals. And they are shooting 16.6%, but, and that, you know, that's high. That's very high. Don't get me wrong. But this is kind of, you know, if St. Louis is living up, if I shouldn't say St. Louis, if Thomas and Buchnevich are living up to what they're capable of doing, like an 11% shooting line or something like that, would be about right. So that means this, I think this line can be north of three goals per 60 minutes of five on five for the balance of the season. And that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good scoring line um, coming in under 15 K coming in at about three to 4% ownership. You know, Kapanen is going to be left off a lot of stacks. I think you're going to see some Thomas Buchnevich Cairo stacks, um, obviously, because Cairo, you know, again, is the one that shoots, but Thomas and Buchnevich, like Buchnevich being priced where he is, like I kind of get it in one sense um, because there have been a lot of times where uh, St. Louis has struggled offensively this year, but Buchnevich is also shooting a lot more than he was last year, right? Like he's up to, I think like 2.2 or 2.3 shots per game, which, you know, that's not a lot, but he was under two shots per game last year. So he's shooting more. Um, he's still scoring as well. Like, you know, he's on pace for like a 27 or 28 goal season. Um, it's Thomas and Buchnevich that I like here and by quite a bit. And even if that, that ownership comes up, you know, with more projection runs, but even if it gets to five, six, 7%, I really don't care. This Sharks team 
uh, like seven percent ownership on an eight game slate against this Sharks team for this top line, like yeah, like absolutely no problem. So Thomas Buchnevich, Kapanen. I mean, on the San Jose side, like you were talking about all the ownership that's going to be on him. Like it's not going to be extreme. I think like a one off Sutherland or a one off Eklund. Like I think you can do that. A full stacking, like I, I just, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. So maybe some one off from San Jose, Buchnevich line from St. Louis. Yeah, I'm wondering if Robert Thomas expected goals numbers kind of falter, kind of like what Barkovs do. They're not like similar players, but like he's one of those guys like that kind of breaks expected goals. Like because Buchnevich is one of the better two way wingers in the NHL. Kapanen is whatever or whatever, but like. I don't know. I, I you would expect that that line to have better expected goals numbers. I mean, uh, like I'm just looking at it right now, and for his career, Robert Thomas or career last three years, Robert Thomas is just like is like barely above average by expected goals for metrics, um, at least at even strength. But his actual goals for metrics are really like really really strong, like. Um, 95th percentile in the league. So, yeah, he is one of those players who could probably break expected goals metrics. Yeah. That was a fun slate. I don't know what I'm doing. I literally, like, I have the same routine every day, and I say it. Like, I get ready for the show. I have an idea what I want to do. Today I had no idea. I talked through it. I still don't know what I want to do. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about defensemen's defensemen and goalies. Quinn Hughes at the top of the list today at 7,500. I kind of think that price is fine. He's not like prime Brent Burns when Burns was like 8,300 getting combo meals and three-point bonuses and all that kind of stuff. But he had six shots on goal last night. He had a goal and an assist. I think, you know, he's live for the points bonus. He's live for a shot bonus. So don't mind Quinn Hughes. After that, like Petrangelo and Theodore and Carlson, those trio, right, the 65 to 6,000 I'm interested in. Who are you liking there and uh, mid-range guys? I mean, Carlson is the guy I wrote up in the picks article. Um, he has nine points in five games so far in November. Like, he's been as advertised since he got to Pittsburgh. Like, he's not going to protect well because he's not shooting and blocking a ton of shots. But um, he's the number two defenseman by uh, Stochastic's projections. So, um, I do like Carlson. Uh, Dougie Hamilton was the next guy. Like, he's the Devils haven't obviously haven't been as good without his year in Hughes. But he's still shooting a ton. And I don't think he's going to carry a lot of ownership here tonight. So Hamilton and Shea Theodore, because you were talking about, like you were talking about Vegas's great power play spot. Like if people don't want to play the Vegas top line, I think playing Shea Theodore instead just makes a lot of sense. Um, in the mid price range, the two guys that really stuck out to me are, are um, in the same game, actually, Mikhail Sergachev and Seth Jones. I think Josh, was, or Josh, our boss, Jake Harry, was saying that Seth Jones looks like he's going to be the highest owned defenseman here tonight, which feels wild to me. But, I, I mean, I kind of get it, I guess. But him and Sergachev, I don't mind Zach Wierenski as well. Uh, cheap guys, Jordan Spence, like 2,600 running that second power play unit for the Kings. And they've been getting more power play time. He's not going to get a lot of ice time. He might only get like 15 minutes. But, like, <laughs> you know, like three of those minutes might be on the power play. So don't mind Spence if you got to dip down. Um you know, Matt Dumba, 2,700. Um, with Val Mackey gone, the guys that are there are going to have to probably play a few more minutes. So Matt Dumba, I think, certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, Zach Whitecloud, 2,500 for Vegas um, in that Montreal matchup if you need a mid-price guy. I wrote up Dmitry Kulikov. He's played 21 minutes a game, probably going to have to block a lot of shots against Los Angeles. Um, Jonas Siegenthaler, Jonas Siegenthaler at 3K. 
for New Jersey. Might have to block a lot of shots here tonight. If you want to pay up a little bit more, um, Tory Krug and Noah Hannafin, both running power play units, both running what I guess would be considered the top power play units for the teams. Um, I think one's 3,900, one's 3,700, something like that on DraftKings. So don't mind them. And JJ Mosier from Arizona. He's probably, I, I think he's the only regular left handed shot defenseman they have now that Valamac he's hurt. Like Choice, I think uh, Travis Dermott is also a lefty, but he's in and out of the lineup. I could see a lot of Valamaki's minutes going to J.J. Mosher, so I don't mind him either. I have a hard time believing Seth Jones is going to be the highest on defenseman on the slate. If Seth Jones is the highest defenseman on the slate, I will get a Seth Jones jersey tattooed on my quad. I mean, you just said it on a live stream with hundreds of people that are, are, are going to be witness to this, so sorry, man. I'm just saying, I, I have a feeling like Tory Krug might be more higher owned at 3,900 with his game log right now. He's playing, you know, 22 minutes a night. He, uh, I don't know, he's been close to 23 straight games. He's getting the Sharks, so. But Seth Jones, highest I'll live stream, me getting a Seth Jones tattoo on my quad. Okay. Smash the like for that. I am just, I'm just a mess today. Who you liking? To, uh, the, not that quad. Mrs. Harris says there's no room on the quad. The other quad. Can you ask her where she, where she go? I think she's getting her dad. Um, who you looking for your hat trick pick? Uh, I'm going back to the Montreal game, and a guy wrote up in my picks article today. I'm going with Mr. Mark Stone. That's a good one. Um, someone asked me, um, when am I getting the Stutzla jersey? I went to NHL shop and they didn't have Stutzla. They had everybody but Stutzla. I'm looking for an alternative if you want to shoot me a message on Twitter. Where to get someone sent me one. It was like cool jerseys, but I want like an authentic like Stutzla jersey. Um yeah, my hat trick pick, Riley Smith. Perfect. Um goalies. Oh yeah, we forgot to talk about goalies. I'm just Talking about tattoos on my quad, getting yelled at by my wife. She's not really yelling at me. She's very supportive and wonderful. <laughs> um, I know you're itching to play Jonas Johansson at 8,400 tonight. Yeah, no. Like, there just really isn't a goalie that stands out to me. Like, Varlamov is probably my favorite at 7,600. I think, like, Cam Talbot is fine at 8,100 if you think he's – his season's legit. Like the top, the top here is Aiden Hill, eighty five hundred, and I think he's fine, but he needs a shout out. He's been excellent this year, though. Like I, I have no interest in Jonas Johansson, eighty four hundred, Bennington, eighty three hundred, Yari. I guess is fine at eighty two hundred. Who are you liking? I mean, I, I think for me it's Varlamov because it's one of those things. Like I always talk about, like if the Islanders win this game tonight. It's probably not because they they outscored Seattle six five, right? It's probably because Varlamov um, holds Seattle to like mate one, maybe two goals or something like that. So if the Islanders win, it's probably because of Varlamov and because of that. I like his price at seventy six hundred on DraftKings. Um, for an expensive guy, I don't mind Tristan Jari here. Like you know, New Jersey's still been able to generate some shots even without uh, their top centers in the lineup. Uh, if you want to pay down, I think. You know, Caden Primo, 6700 That's pretty hard to pass off, man. Like, $1,700 cheaper than Jonas Johansson? I'm sorry. Like, th that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, even though I don't even think Primo's a good goalie. Like, obviously, Johansson sucks. Like, what are we even talking about here? Um, 
Casey to Smith, I know it kind of sucks, but it's another one. I mean, Vancouver certainly can outscore Calgary, but Calgary does generate quite a few shot attempts. The Smith has not been bad this year, so I don't mind him. Uh, Sergey Bobrovsky, again, if he's starting, if you need a cheap goalie, don't mind Bobrovsky here tonight, but just be aware that he may not start. Yeah, and your point about the Smith, Calgary creates a lot of quantity, but not a lot of quality. So, also, a couple of people are saying they're going to own, uh, they're going to put Seth Jones into the lineup now. That's fine. We're going to look. Mean, we're going to look in the DraftKings fifteen dollar contest. That's the contest we're going to look. If we were smart. Every day we would put one lineup in the fifteen dollar of all the lines and players that we slander lines, players, goalies, whatever. Because oh, I feel really like I, I feel like we would probably hit once or twice a year. We, we, be, we would be in a remote area of Portugal, living the dream right now. Yeah, we would. <laughs> we will be back Saturday. I'm not sure what the slate looks like tomorrow. Yeah, it's only. I think it's three. Three games tomorrow night, one in the afternoon, so we won't have a show. Okay, so we will be back uh, Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. Make sure to smash that like button on the way out, especially if Seth Jones is the highest on player. This video needs to get a lot of likes. But, uh, yeah, uh, click that link in the description below if you want to join the uh, Discord and get your premium stuff. But good luck, everybody, tonight. Good luck. Good luck tonight, everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.